Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Listen to the exciting story of the American Community Schools of Athens. Check out what drives all the members of our international community of learners as we create the education of the future. Here's John Papadakis. The planet does not need more successful people. The planet desperately needs more peacemakers, healers, restorers, storytellers, and lovers of all kinds. The Dalai Lama has offered this call for peace and healing a few years ago, before the latest refugee crisis that took hold of much of Europe, but involves much of Asia, Africa, and Central America, the so-called developing world. In general, the Western developed world has been part of both the problem and the solution in ways that are both frustrating, but also hopeful. Hope is what the Home Project is investing on in its effort to provide shelter, education and integration opportunities to unaccompanied refugee minors, while at the same time it is fighting intolerance, xenophobia and racism. The Home Project was founded in response to the call made by President Obama to the private sector to help in addressing the refugee crisis in 2016. Their mission is to help refugee children to safety and security, to overcome the trauma of violence and loss, to motivate reintegration and healing, and empower new beginnings. ACS Athens, through its effort to assist in this cause, has started the Youth to Youth Educational and Integration Program in 2017 in collaboration with the Home Project. The program fosters meaningful educational experiences and promotes social integration, addressing the educational and social needs of unaccompanied minors in Athens through a student-to-student partnership learning model. Volunteer students and teachers of the school provide the necessary environment for the young refugees so that they re-engage in a social and educational way in a setting that allows friendships to grow, knowledge to be cultivated, and personalities to heal. With us today is Sofia Kuvelaki, Chief Executive Officer of The Home Project, a young and energetic leader in a highly humanitarian cause. Ms. Kuvelaki represents what every young person should be striving to achieve. Empathy, specialized but ethical knowledge, global mindset, and dedication to a noble cause. With Sofia Kuvelaki, today we discuss how university studies can steer someone towards humanitarian work, the impact of working with refugees during the crisis in Greece, receiving a new unaccompanied child at the home project, why social integration is so important, providing shelter while preparing the next steps toward autonomy, the asylum process labyrinth, showing, not telling, as a way to grow empathy to the local community, the danger of talking about weaponization of the refugee issue and the Youth to Youth program, a collaboration between ACS Athens and the Home Project as a model for breaking stereotypes and combat xenophobia. Just by looking at your CV, your career and your studies, someone might easily conclude that you were preparing to serve a purpose from early on. Your role as the CEO of the Home Project is a natural progression of all the things before you joined this organization. What is the path 
that you followed that brought you to a humanitarian cause? I think that life uh, brought me uh, where I am today. Um, I I always knew that I wanted to work with uh, children and and women in need. Uh, I I knew that since I was uh, a kid, actually. Uh, I I didn't know how I was going to do that. So the experiences uh, I had in my education and my professional life uh, led me to to where I am today. And that happened after how many years of studies? So I did a Bachelor of Arts at Brown University. I majored in international relations and and economics, but I also had the chance to take many other classes because Brown is one of the universities that doesn't oblige uh, students to to take a core curriculum. So I had the chance to explore many different uh, departments besides my double major. Uh, So I took dance classes in in the drama department or philosophy classes, uh, art history. And and I think um, I'm I'm very grateful uh, for for that opportunity because I had a chance to explore uh, different, let's say, sides of, of my personality. I then went to France and, and did a master's in international economics at Sciences Po Paris and, and then in London uh, at the London School of Economics where I did a master's in international political economy. And some years later, after I had entered the, the professional sphere, I completed a certificate on refugee trauma at uh, Harvard University. Your studies as a political scientist must have given you valuable insight regarding the refugee issue. Did you have a profound moment as a student when you really decided you should dedicate your career until now to this worldwide problem? Well, I I don't think I had a profound moment during my studies. I don't know if I can call myself a political scientist or an economist. What, what was very important for me was the experience I had on the field. A documentary brought me to Lesbos uh, in 2014 at the outbreak of, of the refugee crisis. And, and there I witnessed um, thousands of people arriving in you know a very, very vulnerable state. And I, was, I started working there as a volunteer. Uh, working with children there, and that was, you know, uh, if we can say the the profound moment where I understood that, you know, every cell of my body wanted to do something uh, to help with with this um, situation. Greece has gone through a number of difficult years with all the waves of refugees from Asia and Africa that it had to face and manage mostly on its own, especially in the beginning. The refugee camps in the Eastern Aegean, like, as you said, Moria and Lesbos, that continue to receive boatloads of refugees, but also the camps in mainland Greece bear the brunt of this influx. The most dramatic cases, of course, are the unaccompanied refugee children that lost their family temporarily or permanently. What thoughts go through your mind when a new child is received at the home project? Uh, so many thoughts. Right now, um, we have created, after five years of, of operation at the Home Project, we have created a holistic network of, of child protection services. So to be honest, we don't have time for thoughts when a, a child arrives. There are specific protocols and procedures that have to be uh, followed by our child protection professionals, our social workers, our psychologists, our lawyers, 
our child psychiatrist. And for each and every child that we care for, we create an individual psychopedagogical plan that includes social support, uh, mental health support, um, educational plan for the child and mental health support. And the final aim of, of all of this intervention is social integration, whether that's in Greece, if uh, the child applies for asylum here, or in another European country, if we reunify the child with uh, her or his relatives in another European country. Did you ever have a child which uh, never was able to uh, get an asylum status here? Well, asylum application is a very long process. We actually had uh, a child uh, who's now 19, and we still support kids after they turn uh, 18. We don't let them alone. Uh, no one leaves uh, from us uh, unless we have prepared uh, the next step. So what's uh, the oldest child that you have right now? In the in the shelters, in total, we have 14 shelters. Okay, uh, 14 shelters 14. around the city. Uh, around uh, the city in Athens. Three of them are for minor girls and minor mothers with their babies. One mm -hmm. is for children aged 5 to 12, and the rest are for teenage boys aged 12 to 18. Mm -hmm. And we have created a shelter for 18+. plus. For kids from 18 uh, to 21, 22. And, and the idea is that we support them uh, towards autonomy, um, like a family does. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, we, we were not able to be on our own when we were 18. So in that same way, we have to be next to our kids, our teenagers, who when, when they become adults. So in all these you know, needs, the asylum situation is an extra, complicated matter, uh, let's say, that is always influenced by uh, the policy of the country in terms of asylum. And uh, it has to do with the nationality of the children, and it creates um, many complications for our work and for our ability to be able to protect and care for these children. Just to, to let you know, uh, one uh, in four out of our kids is still unregistered or is in a part of uh, her or his as asylum application process where, where they have lost their papers. Uh, and, and this means that they're not part of the system. So one in four out of our kids doesn't have access uh, to social welfare, meaning public health, uh, and as a result, education, uh, and also uh, employment. So, so for these kids, we have to find a way and the resources to be able to cover this gap. Uh, in terms of medical needs and social needs. They are uh, invisible. You mentioned that it all depends on the regulations. Through your time at the Home Project, have you uh, noticed improvement or is it the same like it was like seven years ago? Uh, our work is directly related with the institutional context in terms of child protection uh, for for refugees. Uh, seven years ago, the situation was different because uh, borders were open at the outbreak of the refugee crisis. Then we had the infamous EU-Turkey agreement and, and the borders closed. So, so the situation and, and the needs changed. And, and now we have an extreme drop of arrivals. Uh, and, you know, there are many reasons behind, you know, political reasons, uh, geopolitical reasons, the pandemic. Many claim uh, there are rumors that there are pushbacks mm -hmm. happening um, as well. Uh, but 
the Greek government is denying them. Um, and uh, th there is indeed a, a drop uh, in, in arrivals. However, uh, the whole uh, legal context for the kids, the ability to get asylum, to become part of the system is much harder. Mm -hmm. Last July, there was a decision declaring Turkey a safe country for five countries, Somalia, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Syria, and Afghanistan, which are the countries where most of the kids come from. And this decision also involves kids who are older than 15. That uh, means that it's 85%. Of, right. of unaccompanied minors uh, right. because these are the ages of these kids. So we have to struggle to be able to protect these kids, to be able to you know, integrate them in the official system. And by doing that, this is the way they can become active and productive citizens and not uh, be uh, you know, in a social situation where we continue this cycle of violence that they have been experiencing for so long and if if we don't stop it as a society our society is going to pay the price of it you are listening to the owlcast the official podcast of acs athens How do you communicate what you do to children that don't suffer from this plight? I mean, you see many people, you see children. Uh, what do you do to foster empathy and invite support from those who haven't experienced the horror of losing everything in a place where you know no one and cannot even communicate most of the times? Uh, I think uh, the best motto to describe what we do is uh, show them, don't tell them. And this is what we do with the Youth to Youth program, for example, uh, that we implement in collaboration with, with ACS Athens, during which we take our kids to the school campus uh, every weekend. And uh, each of our kids buddies up with a student from the school, and then they receive classes from ACS teachers, uh, English, Greek, art, math, music, and sports. And for us, you know, this is a modal program to encourage empathy, uh, to break social stereotypes, uh, break prejudices and, and, and you know, combat racism and, and xenophobia mm -hmm. uh, starting uh, from the youth. Uh, we also do uh, community building events whereby we work with the neighborhoods where we operate, where our shelters are, uh, like Kipseli, Platea Ameriki, Sexarchia. And what we do is we offer back uh, to the local community that, that is hosting us. We organize, you know, food events, art workshops, uh, dance workshops, music, all the things that bring humans together and close. And, and there, you know, we have the ability to interact and give back to the society uh, that is hosting us. And, and we've actually seen that this is the most efficient way to combat violent uh, local reactions and, you know, become an organic part. I was going to ask uh, you what's the, the, the social fabric. I was going to uh, ask you what's the response from the local communities. I mean, you are you have fourteen shelters and yeah, you know. So so the response cannot be good everywhere or cannot be bad everywhere. As human beings, we're you know full of mm -hmm. good and bad, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes all at the same time. So so what we have what we are doing is that you know even in situations where we are being um, attacked verbally. 
we try to be patient. We try to understand uh, why the person uh, is attacking us. And, you know, in those neighborhoods, the people living there, the Greeks, have also been forgotten and abandoned by the state. They also feel, you know, frustrated and, and disappointed and afraid. And, you know, fear is the most dangerous um, emotion in, in the sense that they want to create a scapegoat. And a scapegoat is, you know, the refugee, a person that they don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, so when they come in contact, when these people come in contact with the kids and they understand the problem and we tell them, you know, this is Mohammed, he's 11, he came alone. And then, you know, the Greeks are a child-centric society. They react. They're like, what do you mean alone? <laughs> and why didn't anyone yeah. uh, tell me? And and we've seen people, you know, changing 180 people starting to cook for the shelters or starting to volunteer with us. Not everyone does that, of course. Of course. Yeah, as you uh, said, every every person is different, and every society is different. Um, I guess the the reaction of some people, uh, as you said, who fear for their own uh, well-being. How can you provide support for someone else mm -hmm. who also fears? You mentioned the, the Youth to Youth program, which is a, a really proud project for us at ACS Athens. So we have many, many cases of uh, uh, students and faculty who volunteer and in this youth, program. The Youth to Youth program also was continued with Athens College mm -hmm. uh, before the, the pandemic. We did a similar program called the School Project, and it also worked uh, really well, uh, not only for our kids, but also for, for the students of, course. Uh, of, of the school. Do you have in mind the success story? Um, of a student that went through the youth to youth program and managed to meet the program goals. I, I actually uh, do um, uh, Amadou Amadou Diallo, who might be listening to us now from uh, Sciences Po, Paris. He was one of the first students uh, of of youth youth, and he actually learned English. What year do you remember? Uh, it was the very first very year. Very first year, 2016? 2017. 17. Yeah. Uh, and he learned English. He learned how to speak. Uh, you know, the, the teachers here helped him um, and, you know, how to problem solve and approach. And then he got a scholarship at the Lycée Franco-Hélénique and he was accepted at Sciences Po Paris, which is one of the best universities uh, in Europe. Well, let's hope that example is not the only one. Um, I certainly hope so. There has been a lot of discussion, as you mentioned before, around uh, the refugee crisis, especially the weaponization of the refugee crisis. Regional politics and financial stakes put the refugee issue on the top of the international agenda. What is your opinion? How can the situation de-escalate? It's a very complicated situation. I assume you, you are referring to Greece. Yes. Um, Greece and its neighbors. Yes, it's very hard to, to you know. It's not only uh, Greece, though. I mean, we had uh, the uh, Belarusian situation, the Ukraine situation. We also have the Rohingya. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think we should be very careful uh, in in the terms that we use because words have power, and sometimes you know I've I've been reading in the media that the weaponization. Of, of refugees uh, leads to people believing that there is no refugee problem. I mean, th these are two completely different issues. You know, uh, we've been having refugees, you know, for forever 
in the history of, of humanity. And as long as there are conflicts and wars, we are going to be having uh, mm-hmm. this this problem. And no one leaves home unless they really have to. And, and you know, there's a saying that no one puts their kids on a boat unless the sea is safer than the land. And, and unfortunately, right now, we are uh, going through very hard times in, in, um, in our planet, places. in many places. I mean, uh, Afghanistan is just one example. So um, there are people who are li- leaving these countries uh, to, to save their mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And, and and accompanied minors are the most vulnerable uh, population um, doing that. I mean, from our experience, we've seen that if we create the right context and, and the right situation and opportunities, these people can be integrated. And and right now we're not talking about millions of people. There are a couple uh, of thousands. So these people, and especially unaccompanied minors, can be integrated. Um, mm-hmm. But we need to have a social integration policy to do that. Mm-hmm. You have been selected as part of the Obama Foundation Leaders, a European program which is composed of 35 emerging leaders who represent 18 countries throughout Europe. Humanitarian needs will continue to be a hot topic for leaders to consider and try to find a solution. What is your vision for the future in your field and more specifically for the HOME project? I'm very proud of what has been achieved for you know, during these past five years at the HOME project because because we have been able to care for more than uh, 700 kids. Um, and right now we operate 14 homes with, for a capacity of 270 kids. And the ultimate aim of, of our work is to be able to integrate uh, these kids into society, to, to be able to provide them with all the tools for them to have equal access to opportunities. So so seeing these children you know, thrive and opening their wings and cr- being able to create a future for themselves, for us, it's the biggest reward. Uh, my hope and, and my vision is that, you know, this problem doesn't exist in Greece. I mean, right now we have 2,000 unaccompanied minors. It's not an unmanageable number. The country can protect all of them and, and can create the conditions for mm-hmm. them to integrate because we've seen that these kids can be the most productive and giving and they, they want to give back to the country that has supported them and hosted them. And we have kids that we've had since the beginning of our operations who feel Greek and who want to be Greek. Mm -hmm. Finally, how can a young person who has decided that this is his calling to do work that is humanitarian, to be involved and be ready to help, how can this individual be inspired to pursue a career in uh, your field? What is the most relevant path to follow and what can they expect in their way? I think it's it's very hard to tell them what they can expect because it's a field that is very unpredictable mm. and very uh, uncertain. So the, so one has to be brave and to be you know devoted to her or his passion. And it's it's a work that needs passion and devotion. It's uh, at the moment, unfortunately, it's underpaid and overworked, uh, but that, you know, balances out with the fact that one is able to pursue her or his passion. 
I think my advice would be to get as many experiences as possible on the field because it's also um, a work that has many different aspects. One can choose to be a social worker mm -hmm. or a psychologist or a child psychiatrist, uh, a lawyer helping kids, or one could you know, be in the fundraising or the strategic planning or the financial management. So there are different aspects of, of this profession. So my advice would be to get experienced on the field, start to begin volunteering as young as possible to try different things, try different areas and never doubt uh, what the heart mm -hmm. tells them. It's a work that you know needs enormous professionalism but it also needs passion. Ms. Kuvalaiki, thank you so much. That has been enlightening, eye-opening. Thank you. And, it uh, was a pleasure to be here. Continue with you. the good work. Thank you. You are listening to the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Make sure you subscribe to the Owlcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This has been a production of the ACS Athens Media Studio. Thank you.